This sermon was recorded at Christ Church Mission, a congregation that seeks to be a people fully alive in God's kingdom. This is a reading from the book of Mark. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever he was and wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside. They placed their sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you that um, we are here in your presence and that you're here with us. Uh, we thank you for this amazing story about your son, Jesus. We pray that you open our minds right now and come and be our teacher, our encourager, uh, our helper as we listen to this story again. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, I'm Jay Fowler. Um, as Dean introduced earlier, I know a lot of you. I love this church. It's my church home. Um, I work with a ministry called Pastor Serve, and I work with pastor serves, I'm pastors all over the country, mainly in the Midwest. I'm the regional director here. I have a great staff I get to work with. Uh, we work with literally hundreds, um, probably talk to thousands of pastors nationwide with our whole, our whole team. And we do coaching and consulting, and we help like when really bad stuff happens in churches. So uh, that's what I do for a living, but I am an Anglican priest, and uh, like I said, this is my church home. It's really a joy when I get to share here, and I love Dean and Jenny and have known them for many years. And today's special because it's a baptism Sunday, um, so that's a really cool thing. And we're in a season called Epiphany, and Epiphany means like showing forth or making known. Um, so it's a season uh, in the church year when we looked at how Jesus makes himself known as God. And this is a great story for that today, him walking on the water. Okay, so um, I'm just going to walk through the passage with you. So it, like you're on your bulletin, the passage is on the back. If you want to just read along with me, you can, because I'm just going to kind of go verse by verse. Um, it starts the, like the context for this story is Jesus has just been out in this wilderness area, far away from people. Thousands of people are there. He's very popular at this point in his ministry. And so at the end of the day, people get really hungry. And so Jesus feeds this multitude of people. The Bible says 5,000 men, sorry women, but there were 5,000 men, which probably means there were women and children there. So like thousands of people, he feeds miraculously with two fish and five loaves of bread. So that's, the, that's like what happens right before our story. So, and then I'm gonna pick it up here in verse 45. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him into Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. 
And then after leaving them, he went up to the mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat that they were in was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. And he saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So, you know, I was trying to picture this story, and like, I'm not really a boat guy. I grew up here in Kansas, and those of you from Kansas know we don't have a lot of water around, right? Um, I've been on a boat, just like many of you have, but I did live in Charleston for five years. And so they're really into boats. I mean, that's right there on the coast. How many of you have ever been to Charleston? It is a beautiful city, right? Um, anyway, so these guys in my church uh, said, hey, do you want to go shrimping? And so I said, well, that sounds good. I've never, don't have a lot of shrimp in Kansas. Um, so they took me out on this little John boat, and we went kind of what seemed like a long way away from the shore to me. And we were, they had a little motor, and this guy had had this boat like most of his life. He's my age. We were like, at the, at the time, we were in our 30s. And he said, yeah, right there's where my dad had to weld the boat because it broke in half. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see some water coming through that spot, you know. And so, the, and like out a, a ways from the shore, it's pretty wavy. I mean, like pretty big waves, two, three feet, some, seem really big to me, bigger than anything I ever saw at Shawnee Mission Park, you know, I swear. <laughs> Anyways, so we're kind of pushing through. We have this little motor, one guy's on the motor. We have these like life vests on and he looks about halfway out, I'm looking at the shores way far away, and he looks at me and goes, you okay in water? And I have my life preserver thing, I go, yeah, I'm okay. He goes, okay, well, it's pretty common that you might, you can get bumped out when the waves are like this. And if you do, don't freak out, there's the shore, you'll just, the water will take you in. You won't go that way, you won't go out to the deep ocean, you'll get in the tide and you'll eventually get there and we'll, we'll come pick you up later. I did not fly out. And we did go shrimping. It was really cool. I'll tell you a shrimping story some other time. But my point is, we were barely making it in the waves with a motor. And the disciples are out in the middle of the dark with wind against them, with big waves, with paddles. That's their predicament. And that's what Jesus uh, and they are going to encounter together. Okay, so... What I love about this image is actually what it says here is, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. It is such a great metaphor of life, isn't it? Don't you have times in life where you just feel like, man, I am paddling as hard as I can, but it just seems like the wind and the waves are against me. Now, maybe it's just that your schedule is too packed, you're overwhelmed with all the stuff you've got to do. Maybe it's a relational conflict that you're in, and you just keep working at it, it just keeps getting worse. Maybe it's sadness or loss or grief. Maybe it's a physical challenge, like you feel like you're out of shape, or you have some sickness or an illness that, that you become aware of. Maybe it's dealing with an ongoing bad habit or an addiction, but you keep trying to get on top of, but it just feels like you're paddling against a tough wave. Maybe it's any particular situation with a child, a spouse, you know, somebody at work. Maybe it's your finances. But we have times in our life, often, a lot of life feels like paddling hard when the wind's against you, doesn't it? So, I want to notice three things about Jesus in the midst of this. The first one is, it says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Whatever it is we're facing in life, Jesus sees us. And that's a theme actually all through the Bible about Jesus seeing. 
the Bible mentions in particular in the Gospels many times that Jesus sees something. It's like it's put into the story as if we would, I mean, like a, a casual reader might go like, why does it have to tell us that, right? It's, the, the scriptures are trying to make a point. Jesus sees. In this gospel that we've been going through, Dean's been doing a great job preaching. Let me just remind you of a couple stories. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Levi, a guy that was called, probably his name was Matthew, and called to be one of Jesus' disciples. And in Mark 2, it says, as Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and he got up and followed him. He saw Levi. He didn't just see like, oh, there's a dude over there. It means that he saw into Levi's life and his predicament as a tax collector. He saw more than just a dude sitting there collecting taxes. He saw the person. He saw what he was straining against in life. And actually, that's a great message, so I recommend that that Dean preached a couple of weeks ago. The next one is, I think, what we talked about last week, which is Mark chapter 5. Uh, the story is a, a synagogue ruler has come to Jesus. His, the synagogue ruler's daughter is sick. He asked Jesus to come heal her. Jesus is on this trek to this guy's house as he's going along. A woman who's also sick, very sick, been sick for many years, reaches out, touches Jesus' robe, and she's healed. And in the moment, Jesus feels the power go out from him, and he says, hey, who touched me? People go, are you crazy? Like a ton of people touched you, right? Um, but it says this, uh, Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. He wanted to see the woman. It wasn't enough for him to go, oh, you're right, she's probably good, or whoever it was is good. Let's get on to Jairus' house. He takes the time to see her. And what that means is, of course, he sees her whole life predicament. And the story tells us about how she's been sick for many years. Again, great message. I think that was last week, Dean. And then lastly is the story right before our story today, when he's going to go teach all these people, it says, when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he didn't go walk out and go, wow, look at all these cool people to come see me today. He looks at them and goes, oh my, these people, they're like sheep with nobody to guide them. And his heart says he had compassion. It means his heart went out to them. So whatever it is that we're going through in life, he sees it. He cares deeply about what you're going through. He notices it. He knows every detail of what's going on in your life. He knows all about the oars that you're paddling with, the wind that you're against, and the strain that it's causing on you, emotionally, physically, relationally. He sees all of that. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I see about Jesus in this story is in the same, actually, verses. It says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, which is like 3 a.m., he went out to them. He went out to them. So he sees them, and he goes to them, right? And which is not always the way we are in life. Like, um, you remember the horrible Boston uh, Marathon bombing? Some of you remember that. It was about 10 or 11 years ago. Um, so there's an annual Boston Marathon, you know, uh, and two brothers had planted these uh, pressure cooker bombs, and they, they planted them right towards the, right at the finish line, right when all the people were running across the finish line, the two bombs go off, three people are killed, uh, dozens and dozens of people are injured, uh, people lose limbs, it's horrific. 
and the videos, there were people there, of course it's a big event, so there were people there that were filming it for various reasons, and you can see when the bombs go off, the crowd just starts to run. Everybody starts to run away from the chaos, but there are a few people who run toward the sound of the bomb. They run toward the problems. They run toward the pain and the mayhem. And that's exactly what Jesus does. We have a God who when he sees us, he runs toward us. He doesn't run away. That's the kind of God that we see here. Jesus sees them straining at the oars because the wind's against them. He knows what's going on. He knows all the details. He knows how that feels for them. And he goes to them out on the water. Jesus goes to them. Now, I want to, I want to address a phrase in this story that if you're a careful leader, reader, you're sitting there going, Jay, I know you're saying you're trying to make a point that Jesus goes to us when we're in trouble, but the Bible here says he, he's going to pass them by. Look at the text. It's kind of weird, right? So like, is he going like, I'm coming out to you, but good luck, you know? That's what it sort of sounds like, right? Well, let's look at that little phrase, pass them by. It could mean a couple things. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that he was going out to them to kind of wave at them and say good luck. Um, it might mean that he was just trying to come alongside the boat or even that he was trying to get ahead of the boat so they could see him, right? There's another thing it could mean, which is what I think it means. That phrase, uh, the Lord uh, was going to pass them by, is used a couple times in the Old Testament. One is Moses. Moses and God have a pretty good relationship, and Moses says to God, hey, um, show me your glory, says that to God. And then the Lord said, I will cause my glory to pass by in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on those I have mercy, and I'll have compassion on those I have compassion. So he's saying, and then the story goes on, I don't want to tell it, but anyways, he hides Moses in this little spot, and the Lord passes by in front of Moses. It's a revelation of who God is and his glory to Moses. Okay, there's another time, a prophet named Elijah, a really great guy, one of my favorite guys in the Bible. He has this big contest with a bunch of bad guy prophets. He wins the contest, but the bad news is the bad guy prophets work for the queen. The queen's really mad, and she says, hey man, I'm going to have you killed, Elijah. Word goes out in the land, get Elijah, because I want to kill him. So Elijah runs away, uh, he's afraid for his life, and he goes to a cave. In 1 Kings 19, verse 9, it says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now... They're trying to kill me too. And then the Lord says to him, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass you by. The Lord was going to reveal, and then the story goes on, that the Lord reveals himself to Elijah in this wonderful, tender way. So I think what the scripture is saying is Jesus goes out to them and he's going to reveal himself to them. That's what, what, what I think that means. Not that he's going to pass them by and go, see you later, good luck, because he, does, he doesn't do that, right? So let's go on with the story. And the third thing I notice about Jesus here. So they saw them, he, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. 
and he's about to pass them by. But when he saw, when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out. I mean, this, like, I've read the story a lot. I've been a Christian a long time. And I just want to make sure I get captured by the amazing thing here. He was walking on the water. Who does that? No one does that. So they think, what well, must be a ghost or a phantom? Actually, the word in Greek is phantom, like an evil presence. Because people don't walk on water. But this person, Jesus, was walking on the water, coming toward him, and they cry out. They probably cry out to God. I mean, it doesn't tell us what they cry out, but they probably cry out to God. So what that shows me about Jesus, the third thing is, is that Jesus has total dominion over all things. He is, in fact, Lord and God. It is his revelation to them of who he is and his power, his dominion over all things. Nothing is too difficult for him. He can control nature because he was part of creating nature as the Son of God. It's really cool. There's this verse in Job uh, chapter 9, verse 8, that says about God, He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. You know, I have to wonder, those, those men that Jesus selected were all Jewish men and would have been very acquainted with Scripture. And I wonder when they thought back on that moment, Jesus was walking on the water. That's exactly what the scriptures say about God. He treads the waves of the sea, and we saw it with our own eyes. It was Jesus revealing his glory as the divine son and his power and dominion over everything, which means he has the power to help us when we're straining at the oars because the wind is against us. And when he comes to help us in our life, sometimes it's amazing and really spectacular, like your cancer goes into remission, or the job you've been praying to get, you get, or the chiefs win this afternoon. Something fabulous that you go, that couldn't happen. But God showed up and it did happen. And sometimes it's more subtle. It's God shows up when you're disappointed and reminds you that he loves you. It's that he sends friends to you when you're mourning and grieving and they care about you. It's in the chaos of life that reminds you it's okay to take a rest and set some boundaries. So sometimes God's power intervenes very big and sometimes more subtly, but he's still powerful to help. So what are you struggling with today? Just too much to do, feel overwhelmed? Relational conflicts, finances, illness, anxiety or grief, parenting, marriage, singleness. Jesus sees what you're struggling with. He wants to come to you to help. And he's powerful and he can help you. And our job is really pretty simple. It's to do what the disciples did, which is to cry out, Lord, please help. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the reminder of this uh, story about the fact that you do see us. You do come to us when we're in trouble, when we're struggling, even just the normal, tedious stuff of life, and that you are powerful. And because of that power, nothing is too difficult for you, not even our predicament.
Lord, I pray for anybody in this room today that just feels like they are straining at the oars and they are tired of paddling into the waves and into the wind. Lord, help them to just cry out to you right now. And you will help them. It may be big and glorious or it may be subtle, but you want to help them when we trust that. We thank you for this baptism that's about to happen with people who have put their trust in you as the divine son of God who forgives our sins and wants to be the Lord of our life. We thank you for this part of the service we enter in and help us enter in with our own hearts, committing our own hearts and souls and lives to you. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.